0: Welcome. I'm Greg McKeown, your host in the What's Essential podcast, and also the author of Essentialism and Effortless. Come with me on an exploration of self-discovery. On this podcast, we decipher what really matters as we unravel the chaos and complexity of day-to-day living in order to learn how to build an essential life. Ever since writing Effortless, and especially recently, I've been thinking about how important it is to build systems that work for you, not against you. Too much of my life, and too much of my life recently, I've been spending time making results happen by persevering. And so I was really intrigued when Kerry Newhoff wrote a new book and sent it to me, At Your Best, How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities Working in Your Favor, and it's those last three words, in your favor, stacking the deck in your favor instead of them being stacked against you. Kerry is a friend of mine. He's an influential podcaster in his own right, a thought leader. He mentors people all over the world. And so I've invited him in to mentor me and you. So let's get to it. Kerry, welcome to the What's Essential podcast. Right before we got on air, I asked you what you've been up to the last couple of weeks. You said you were preparing for a month off from the business. Mm -hmm. And, but then you said something like, maybe you have the words for it. You said, no, no cheating.
1: (laughs) Yes. No cheating.
0: Just really unplugged. And, and you said, fortunately the business is getting to the point or is at the point that it can do that. And I think that's worth getting into because it seems to me that a lot of people design or end up with lives and then businesses that are so dependent on them, they they, they have to be or feel they have to be linked to their phones every second of every day, doing email, always on, that things won't work without them. And in this way, I think make life much harder than it needs to be for themselves. And so, can you just talk to me about that? You know, what have you learned about building business uh,
1: that can operate when you aren't there? Yeah, I've learned a lot about it. And I learned it the hard way. And the way I think about it, Greg, I'll give you the framework and then sort of explain the narrative. Yeah, but no cheating means no, no hour of email in the morning while the kids are asleep while my kids are grown now. But you know, that kind of thing, which I did too often when I was in my 30s, and my kids were young. I would cheat that way. Uh, I've tried working vacation. Listen, I love what I do. I loved it when I was in ministry as a pastor. I love running a business right now with, just to help people thrive in life and leadership. Like, I love that stuff. So, it and this is the poison, right? It doesn't feel like work. If you're mm. doing what you're enjoying, you can justify it. You know, last summer, I finished up this book, At Your Best, which releases, as you mentioned, this September – and, you know, it was final edits and I'm like, that's it. No more working vacations because I wasn't very good at work and I wasn't very good at vacation. Mm. I don't know that was my best writing because I kept thinking about when are we going to go to the beach? And then when I was at the beach, it was like, okay, I got to do some more writing because when are you ever done a book, Greg? Like never, right? So that was my experience. And I've taken a week off or two weeks off and totally unplugged, but my company now is really in its current form, started as a hobby, just a blogger and podcaster. And then, you know, millions of people showed up and I'm like, holy cow, what is this? And uh, hired an assistant and then hired another one and then a podcast manager. So now we have eight. There's eight on the team. So now we're at the point, we're not a startup anymore. And I've, I've really built into a, a team. Uh, my assistant has only been with me for, for a few months, but she's really, really good. And I'm like, okay, we're ready. And we're ready to move to what I call level two as a company. So level one is exactly what you hinted at. It's where most businesses operate. And I call it level one where nothing operates without you. So when I was a pastor at small churches, you know, back when I started, yeah, almost nothing did run without me. I hire someone to cover Sundays and everything else waits till you're back. You know, you think about a mom and pop shop lots of people run their own businesses or a boutique or an etsy store and like if you're not actually there to do shipping and receiving like there's no shipping and receiving and you often don't have the financial margin to hire someone even at minimum wage so mom and pop get there before dawn they leave after dusk they're tired they get maybe a week off if they're lucky and they run ragged all the time and most businesses run that way white collar blue collar The owner, the founder runs everything. That's level one. Then there's level two, which is like things run without you. You can take a week off, two weeks off, a month off and not cheat, like not cheat. You know, if there's an emergency, sure, someone on your team will text you or whatever, but you can really automate it and and get things down. But the third level, which is exceptionally difficult in my research, only a tiny fraction of businesses ever get there or any organization, not for profits as well, is that things grow without you. So I'm a founder. I founded a church. I founded a company now. That's what I'm doing these days. And, you know, the real challenge at the church is it got way bigger than I thought. And, you know, it's the church. Don't screw that up. Like, that's not yours. If I start a company running into the ground, okay, that's on me. But, like, don't mess this up. And so we got to the point where it would run without me. And uh, now I'm pleased to say five, almost six years on the other side of stepping out of the lead pastor role. It is growing without me and thriving without me. And I think that's where every leader wants to be. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a
0: little or a lot. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. What do you think it's going to take to go from level two to level three? Ah,
1: that's a great question. So... What it takes is a couple of things. Number one, it takes you as a leader to relinquish control. And me stepping back going, I don't need to sign off on every page. I don't need to sign off on every email. I don't need to sign off on every decision. So there's, there's something where you could say to yourself, oh, you don't understand, Greg, the organization needs me right but you could you could actually if you sat with a with a therapist for a little while you might realize no you need the organization to need you that's your problem so number 1 the leader has to cut that tie the leader has to say the company the business has a different identity than i do my future even though it's my name like isn't tied up with the company so you got to separate that and sever and be happy sitting at the beach like you might go through withdrawal once or twice but you're not like oh i'm just checking in is everything okay no you got to cut that so that takes maturity and it took me years to get there second thing is you need a team who can who can actually be equipped to make decisions That will actually grow the company. So they're no longer asking, what would Carrie do? What would Greg do? They're saying, you know, in in terms of my company, which is Carrie Newhoff Communications, just again, the name was available. So not particularly creative. You know, our mission is to help people thrive in life and leadership. That's it. And we want to help people live in a way today that will help them thrive tomorrow. So we do podcasts, blog posts, courses, all that stuff. I have now hopefully embedded the culture in them deeply enough given them clarity in the organization, what their role is, hired competent, smart people who can make quality team-based decisions. And when they get good at that, like I would say we are moving from level one to level two now this year in our company, give it a year or two, we may be able to move to level three, where even if I'm not on permanent vacation, like for a month or two or whatever, they are now making decisions that are growing the company. And then if I remove myself from that, the quality of their decision-making and their ownership of the mission and their ownership of the culture is strong enough that they can they can run the whole thing themselves. And And this is really hard on the ego. Do a better job than I would do if I was making those decisions. And woo, that one's tough. And that took quite a bit of counseling for me to get through that.
0: Yeah, there's, it reminds me of a few things. Uh, Steve Jobs was once asked, you know, what's his favorite innovation? You know, is it the Mac? Is it the iPhone? Is it the iPad? And so on. And his answer was Apple. And I thought that was, you know, another brilliant insight from Steve in terms of how he was thinking. He was thinking of the company, in a sense, as a product. Oh, wow. uh, you know. That yeah i'm i'm thinking of this cuz this is the most important product if this is done right then it can produce many many products and you know outlive himself
1: you know as a leader as a founder as a as a ceo you're you're sort of the face of the company or the decision maker but you get the credit but you also get the blame right if something doesn't go well so that i think forces us to say well Let 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 me just be in on that meeting, or at least brief me about it. So, uh, it's a it's a real growth area for me as well, Greg.
0: What's the longest you've gone without checking your phone?
1: Hmm. I don't think I like the answer. (laughs) Probably a day, Um, and I'll tell you why. And this is the challenge. I don't have a work phone. I you know my phone is like okay, where are we going to go for lunch today when I'm on holidays? Now, yeah, probably the short answer to that is probably a day. Even when we were camping. We were totally off the grid. There was no power, no cell reception, nothing like that. I would check it for the time in the stored weather forecast. But like, you can't go online. That was when we were in the wilderness last summer. So if you count that, three days, yeah. Like without the phone is one thing. Without things on my phone, easy. I'm going to do a month without apps on my phone. No Slack, no email. No, but like without my phone, that's a really interesting question.
0: The longest I went without... Internet access was two and a half weeks on a family vacation. And the children still talk about it. They don't say, oh, remember those two and a half weeks you didn't have your phone. No, they still remember the experience. Now, it's not just because of that, but there was no question that it was different. That I felt different, that the experience was different, because you are you're really getting away from the typical routines and habits and rituals that have been created uh, so that you can without really any attempt to do so look at your life i remember a friend once saying to me oh greg i'm too busy living to think about life <laughs> <laughs> but i it's think that's then. i think that's true for entrepreneurs i think that's true mm. for a lot of people in today's environment that they're too busy checking email to think about their life or think about their business or think about what they're doing
1: i think i think it would be you know i'm a person of faith as as you are greg and so i think if i put a spiritual element that this was going to be like a spiritual retreat for me time of prayer growth meditation digital detox Digital detail. Yeah, like Cal's Digital Detox, Cal Newport's Digital Detox. Yeah, I think that would make it easier. But if I'm trying to go about my everyday life, like it kind of is, you know, part of what I do for fun. Mm-hmm. And I barbecue. It's like, well, where am I going to get a great recipe? I have a couple of books, but, you know, online I'm going to figure out how to nail this brisket.
0: In all of the work that you've done on leadership development, what do you find is the most frequent challenge people raise with you?
1: Yeah, there are a lot, but I would say what comes up again and again and again, especially in the last three or four years, leaders are exhausted. They're tired, they're overwhelmed, they're overworked, they're overcommitted. And largely because of what we've been talking about, you know, work used to fit into a nice little bundle. I'm old enough to remember going to the office and not being able to take the office home with you, right? Like when I was in law, You know, it was only one year, but like if you brought a file home, you literally brought the file home, like a manila envelope full of legal papers. And if you lose them, you get fired. And now, unfortunately, you know, if you work at a law firm, which I don't anymore, you, the, you have your file with you 24 seven through the VPN and it goes with you to the beach and your job goes with you. And a lot of us, you know, some people have work phones, but a lot of us, everything is fused up on your life. And so as a result, you're watching Disney plus with your daughter and you get a text from your VP. Who's like, Hey, what are we going to do about this? The client's waiting. And you're like, ah, okay. And there's no break. So people are overwhelmed, overworked, overcommitted. And probably I think, on the edge of burnout, like not like go to your doctor, take a pill or take a sabbatical level of burnout, but just where the, I call it mid-grade burnout, where the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. In other words, you can do your mm-hmm. job, you can go to the beach with your family, you can you can have that function on the weekend with your friends, but the joy of it's gone. The joy just got sucked out. That's what I see from leaders again and again.
0: It's an interesting distinction. You're not talking about diagnosable medical burnout, but a sort of precondition to that.
1: Yeah, like a life condition. And you're right. I was really excited a couple of years ago to see that uh, burnout was actually now an official diagnosis. You can go to your doctor and and, and get diagnosed with it because I think it puts a a label on something. It was a a term I think only invented in the 1970s. Uh, I was doing research for At Your Best and I think it was like they they came up with it in like the early 70s to describe really doctors who felt burned out and then it kind of spread. And then it was a workplace condition, but now I think it's a life condition because I talk to stay-at-home parents who feel burned out, students who feel burned out, retired people who feel burned out. And it's that drone of never really being off and sometimes, you know, never really being on. You're just in this perpetual gray zone. For a certain group of people, and I think that group of people
0: is, uh, has grown significantly over the last year and a half. It's not universal, but there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I only half-jokingly say there's only two kinds of people in the world right now. There are people who are burned out, and then there are people who know they are burned out. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and so, especially of the kind you're describing, where, where it's like you're sacrificing more and more of your joy more and more of the let's say the color of life Mm -hmm. um i know myself when i literally when i take a nap yeah um when i wake up from the nap the world seems more colorful literally to me and i'm not Mm -hmm. sure whether that's like psychological or i don't know quite what is causing that but it's an experience i've had many times and i think well it can't actually the world can't be more colorful something's changed within me within my physiology and i think that's not a bad metaphor though for the idea that people get more and more exhausted more and more burned out in a sort of slower way, and so their life just is less colorful um what what uh g- give me maybe your top three immediately actionable suggestions for what somebody can do who it, is sacrificing this joy for living because of burnout. What can they do right now?
1: A couple things is <clears throat> number one, to name it, um, just acknowledge it. Um, I'll give you a link to something at the end. They can take a free burnout quiz. Again, I'm not a doctor, but we've run thousands of leaders through this quiz. And it's very illuminating. So little signs for you to pay attention to your passion is gone, you no longer feel the highs and lows, right? You hear good news and you're like, oh, okay. Or maybe you have a good game face, but like on the inside you're flat or you hear terrible news like so-and-so just died or was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And again, you've got manners, you know what to say, but in the inside you you don't feel it, even though you know that person. Those are signs of burnout. So if if that's you, even those two out of, I think we got 11 signs to look for. I mean, really pay attention to that and just kind of go for help. So that would be, I call that tell someone, just, just tell someone, tell your doctor, tell somebody who's for you, tell, tell a friend who's in a position to, to help you about that. Second thing I would do is this could produce some immediate results is think of your day in terms of time zones. We, so we all get 24 equal hours in a day, but not all hours are created equal. Um, I'm a morning person. Greg, would you, would you call yourself a morning person, afternoon, evening? Like when do you kind of come alive most in the day? Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say morning. Yeah. Morning. Yeah. Me too. About seven to 11. And most of us have three to five peak hours a day for some, a lot of people it's in the morning. Some it's the afternoon, half my team's the afternoon, Some are night owls. Like I come alive at 8 PM. Great. I'm going to bed at that point, but I'm also up at five. So, um, I call that your green zone. Those three to five really productive hours. Think of that as your green zone. And then you probably got a couple hours. Mine is four to six in the afternoon when I'm pretty tired. That's your red zone. You're like trying to stay awake in the meeting, trying not to fall asleep at your desk. You need extra caffeine, that kind of thing. And then everything else in between in the workday is yellow. And the problem a lot of people run into is is they take their best work the thing that is most important in your case as an author or a speaker working on that talk finishing it and they leave it for the cracks they end up doing it in the red zone, because everything got in the way and if you're gifted at it you'll do a good job. The the thing that really helped me is I started doing what I was best at when I was at my best and did all the stuff that was most important in the green zone and man it like supercharged my productivity. So uh, I would say do that. What are you best at? What is your most important work? Not necessarily the most urgent, but the most important. And you make those distinctions, Greg, and, and, and effortless. Like what are the most important things you can do? Get those done in your green zone, the time when you're at your best and let everything else wait. You'll get way more done. You'll be better at it. It's great. That's a second thing. The third thing I would do is don't look to time off to refuel you. As much as we've been talking about vacation, that's awesome. But but so many people today are stumbling into their vacation. So mine starts two days from now. I'm not that tired. I feel like I could go for another month or two, which is awesome. The challenge with that is you know, you stumble into your vacation exhausted. You get better. You go back after a week, two weeks, a month, whatever you get. And by 11 a.m. your first day back, you're like hit by the train. It's over. You're exhausted already. And that's because the problem wasn't how you spent your time off. It's how you spend your time on. And so the mantra that I've adopted, and this is the third thing, is try to figure out how to live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. What sleep do you need? Um, what work do you need to do? What do you need to say no to? Uh, how do you avoid overcommitting? What do you need to do today that will help you thrive tomorrow? And if you can do that, you can enjoy your time off, but you're not going to need it to continually refuel you. And it can't it can't do that. You know, uh, a sustainable pace is the cure for an unsustainable pace, not time off. Hmm. Uh, how can people set a more sustainable pace? I think you got to look at a couple of categories. One would be, you got to limit what you say no to, what you say yes to. And again, your your stuff in essentialism still challenges me to this day. That whole idea of it's not a 90, it's a zero, right? Not a 90 mm. out of 100, it's a zero. Yeah. Um, that is That is super challenging and very difficult to master. I'm still working on it. But most of us just start with way too much input because we're people pleasers. We don't know what to do. Second thing is you gotta figure out like, what do you need to refuel you? Uh, spiritually, whatever that is for you, what do you need? So my day starts with an hour with just me really quiet. Um, I pray, I reflect, I, I personally read the scriptures. That's what I do in the morning. It's really a powerful <laughs> time for me. And when I do that well, sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's an hour. I'm an empty nester, so it's easier now. Um, mm-hmm. I did, That anchors me in a day. Um I ignored physical margin before, but I realized, okay, I need to exercise, I need to pay attention to what I eat. I need to pay attention to how much I sleep. And I used to pride myself before I burned out fifteen years ago on how little sleep I got. Now I'm a napper. Uh, I will try to get seven to nine hours a day of sleep. And I've been looking at the patterns of athletes. Top athletes do that because they know if they're gonna explode on the court for that hour or two hours, they need to be rested to do it. So pay attention to your physical margin and then your emotional margin. Um, for me, it was a lot of counseling and uh, some really good coaching, leadership coaching. But you know, if you're always flying off the handle at home or you're upset with your inner circle at work and they don't know whether they can talk to you, those are signs. And I got to get enough margin in my life, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and even financially that I'm in a place where I'm, I'm, I'm coming with something to give. and When I do that, that is living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow. So, even in the busy seasons, like this is a really busy week getting ready to sign off for a little while. Super busy week. I, I'm still going to sleep seven, eight hours tonight. And because I know my work is going to suffer tomorrow if I don't. What is something you are hoping I wouldn't ask? Ha <laughs> oh that's great nobody's asked me that something i wouldn't ask uh Come on, give me
0: your first good. thought
1: what are you most afraid of in leadership
0: what are you most afraid of in leadership you mean in your own leadership mm-hmm. what are mm-hmm. you most afraid of in your own leadership
1: <laughs> it's strange there's two answers that surface so i ask the question i give you a hybrid answer okay i don't know if that's fair but you caught me off guard uh <laughs> I would say um, laziness, which is really irrational. That's probably one of the reasons, you know, I'm working really hard at getting a month off, like laziness. I tell my wife that. I'm like, I'm afraid of being lazy. She's like, you're the last person who would be lazy. But like, where does that come from? And then honestly, just to be transparent, this one hurts a little bit, but irrelevancy. Like, did I live my life in vain? Mm-hmm. And that may be connected. be connected. <laughs> To my unwillingness to walk away from my phone, but I would say it might be the fear that none of this actually mattered in the end, or that I didn't make a difference, irrelevance.
0: Yeah, those they do seem to form a sort of trifecta relationship, at least on the surface. Right, fear of Hmm. fear of irrelevance, fear of being lazy, of wasting, you know, perceiving to waste a moment you know, yeah. to 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 write day and night like you're running out of time to, to call upon Hamilton's, you know, phraseology from the musical. Um, Carrie, give us the final word.
1: Hmm. I'll just say one of the most important things you can figure out is how you're going to spend your days and try to spend them in a way that living in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. The problem we see so often with overwhelm is that people look to time off to heal them. And the problem is time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend time on. How are you going to spend your time on? Can you live at a sustainable pace that will help you live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow? If you can crack that nut, and I'd I'd love to help however I could, uh, then you are going to live effortlessly and you are going to figure out what's really essential and you will find time for that.
0: Kerry, it's been a real pleasure to have you. Thank you for being on the What's Essential podcast.
1: It's been a joy, absolute joy. Thank you, Greg.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. And I want to say again, thank you sincerely for listening to the show. Because of you, you've made this a special adventure. You've made this a top podcast. Now the top five podcasts in education and self-improvement on Apple iTunes and the momentum is growing. In this episode, of course, with Kerry, we've been reminded of the importance of really unplugging from the technology that can keep us from being in the moment with the people who matter most to us. Let's be careful not to miss what matters in the small and key moments of our lives this week. That is important. It's very important. That's what's essential.